new fantasy fulfillment out of Tokyo Disney, Universal Orlando keeps the changes coming, and the great AP Exodus has officially begun at Disney World. That and more, all on today's Park Hop. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James and continuing to join us live from the Hall Cave, where he's been trying to remember what the Disneyland Resort was even like before park hopping, the man, the myth, the legend, Henry Hall. Is that still a thing? It is now. (laughs) Each and every week we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news, happenings, and burning topics from the lands of Disney, Universal, and beyond. Before launching into things, we always like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company. As always, though, his opinions are fully his own. Now, Henry, this Lego Star Wars holiday special, blink twice if this announcement and us talking about the original holiday special recently isn't a total coincidence. (laughs) That's what I thought. That's what I thought. (laughs) What a crazy announcement. Like talk about things that you just would never ever in a million years expect. Yeah, but it's gotta be like, I mean, one of those things is just like one of those things that when you, you think about it, it's like, yeah, that could be really funny. It's at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's I'm super curious in terms of kind of what it's even going to be like. Obviously, it's Lego. And so by making it a Lego product or Star Wars in the Lego universe, it's uh, it's kind of a tongue in cheek affair. You're right. You're not going to take it too seriously. It's going to be kind of a little jokey. Um I am curious, like, how much they're going to reference that original holiday special. Like, uh, you know, I I just really want to know, is that first 10 minutes just going to be Chewbacca's family grunting at each other? Like, no subtitles, no idea of what's going on and what they're saying. Just the language of a Wookiee family dynamic, man. If that's not entertainment, I don't know what is. (laughs) Yeah, that would, I mean... To be fair, like one of those old, those old Lego games had no uh, no actual dialogue in them. So <laughs> if true. they went back to that, That's it would true. be just all the grunts and stuff. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad they finally started adding in dialogue. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was like it was like Lego gibberish, uh, you know, language or something yeah. like that when it first started. <laughs> so yeah, maybe maybe that's what they'll do. I mean, I, hopefully it's not ten minutes, but. <laughs> The, the thinking of those old Lego uh, Star Wars games brings back uh, <laughs> memories. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's definitely there's uh, you could go through just an emotional roller coaster just thinking back. I actually so the funny thing just to uh, to talk about like old history. So um, again, like after my first stint at LucasArts where I met you and worked on that first Battlefront game, and uh, and then KOTOR 2, I, uh, I, I was laid off and then worked at IDOS Interactive before they got purchased by Square Enix. This was well before that. But um, 
But like one of the first things that they had me on was Lego Star Wars because they published it. Because if you remember, I think it was that the president of LucasArts at the time didn't take it very seriously and was just like, we don't even want to waste our time on it. So it was just kind of like a pure license thing. And so, you know, I basically had spent like six months straight working on Star Wars everything and was actually looking forward to being at IDOS and being like, all right, finally, something a little bit different. And they were like, hey, you know Star Wars, right? We got something right up your alley. You can be the Star Wars guy. I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, yeah, those actually ended up being fun, uh, fun games. That was a fun <laughs> game. And, uh, and then, yeah, came back to LucasArts and president decided that the sales were good enough to bring it back. And uh, I didn't work on too many of those games after that. But, yeah, it's uh, f- fun memories for sure. Yeah, I, I looked up and didn't work on them too long but as with most things at LucasArts somehow even if I was on a different project somehow I got (laughs) roped into the end part of the project to work on it to see it at the end so I I worked on it just long enough but I came in uh, at the end so I wouldn't get my name in the credits (laughs) so it's like I wasn't here but I was here. Uh, I mean, it's like it, uh, it definitely was at a time. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of kind of smaller entertainment companies are like this, where just everybody kind of works on everything at some point. Uh, so it was definitely the case there. Uh, but yeah, it'll, I'm waiting for that first trailer for this, uh, Lego star Wars holiday special. It's like, Part of me really wants to like it, and part of me just like intrinsically hates it. But uh, but we'll see, man. Like I'm, I'm. Uh, if nothing else, you know those those Lego games, and to a lesser extent, some of the the kind of direct-to-video uh, movies that have come out have all been pretty charming. Obviously, the theatrical movies have been all pretty solid, but. Uh, but we'll see, man. Like I, I want, uh, I want as many references to the holiday special, the original one, as possible, because even though I know it'll, it'll never happen. Like I want that original holiday special on Disney Plus almost as much as I want the original cuts of Star Wars. Like I want it all just to be unearthed, and I know that that is, uh, that is something that I will never see in my lifetime, anyway, or at least at least uh, in George's lifetime, yeah. <laughs> which is hopefully long. But speaking of nightmares, uh, how about what's going on with Disney World with these uh, annual pass holder shenanigans, dude? Yeah, I mean they, you know, they open up some, they get bought up, and then I heard that uh, Halloween for annual pass holders, those are all taken up. Yeah, for so, the for the uh, reservations, yeah. yeah, man, it's uh definitely kind of is reminding me of when we had that uh, it, it, in in the grand scheme of things, it was a maybe a kerfuffle, but uh, when Disneyland first closed and they were still planning on charging annual pass holders that were paying monthly, they were still planning on charging them even while the parks were closed, and just said like, well. Whenever the parks reopen, we'll add additional time at the end of your pass, and you won't have to pay for that. <laughs> and rightfully so. People lost their minds. 
uh, took to social media. It got a bunch of mainstream media attention, and Disney ended up changing the policy, which, uh, you know, one would expect that if uh, if they had realized that it was going to be going on as long as it has been with this closure, that they would have been doing that anyway. It would seem crazy to charge people for six months when the parks have been closed that entire time. But regardless, it, uh, it you know, it, it, this Walt Disney World issue seems it, it, there are shades of that here. So it's kind of taking it back to where we started kind of getting these rumblings, you know, it all goes back to that first announcement of this park pass reservation system. Uh, If you remember, man, like in that email announcement, they gave uh, they gave everyone a heads up in terms of this is what the with is what the process is going to be or or at least the, the, you will need <laughs> reservations in order to get into the parks. It's going to limit the amount of people that we're allowing in each day for annual pass holders. Sounds like an additional round of emails went out to them. Uh, hopefully, for the most part, it sounds like it didn't get through to everybody, but. Uh, just informing them, Disney tried to inform them that uh, that they had the opportunity to cancel their passports at that point. Of course, like with everything being all over the place, if you remember, like when that when that reservation system was just starting to spin up, um, it it was kind of clear. Well, like I said, like some people got that email initially, some people didn't. Um, it was clear to some people what type of refund they would be getting, uh, and some people it just it just wasn't based off of these various different calculations that Disney was using. Um, and then, uh, you know, of course, we just didn't have any idea of what park availability was going to be. We were hearing just various different things from Disney. I think the only thing we had for sure concrete was like, we can't guarantee that if you are staying at a resort that you will for sure get into the park on those days. So it it was just very little information coming from Disney. So I'm guessing a lot of people probably still held on to their passports, right? Because who knows what the situation was going to be. And then you flash forward to, you flash forward to this past week where we have this deadline coming up where, hey, if you want to cancel, it needs to be done by now. And since that initial announcement was made, we've had park hours cut, we've had park hopping getting the axe, we've had general reservation availability for annual pass holders extremely limited. Like you said, you have these obviously like holidays that are booked, but you also have like the next few months are just like completely all uh, limited availability, especially when you're looking at Hollywood Studios, which is kind of the, the most popular park right now. So... Uh, so, you know, you just have all of these changes, some of which are, are still relatively recent. So it's not too surprising <laughs> at the end of all of this, that, that maybe like 48 hour, maybe 72 hour period right before when people were trying to cancel that it was just totally brutal, right? Like you had slammed phone lines, you had people waiting that were able to get into just kind of like a, a waiting queue for the phone waiting like upwards to three hours. You had a lot of people saying that they weren't even able to get into that queue because they called and were told like, Hey, queue is full. Forget about it. Disney extended out that, uh, that deadline until midnight. 
and it was still just completely slammed. So they do say right now, like if you go to that general splash screen, that is the no before you go. They do say like, hey, you know, if you uh, if you still have questions or concerns, there's like a general number. Obviously, there's no kind of guarantee or anything said about like whether they were still going to honor your cancellation request if you weren't able to get through or not. But uh, but yeah, it was just like a total mess. And, I, and again, it was like a mess in the way that we've seen with this with this reopening period at Walt Disney World that, you know, that is like a, a make it's a it's a nightmare of their own making at Disney in that. Like, it didn't have to be this way. The clarity could have been there. You could have informed people in terms of, you know, what exactly they could expect. And it's like, it it shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody that, you know, we've talked about, like, this reduced experience uh, and then making it difficult for people to actually get the value that they felt like they had paid for initially, whenever that was, um, before these closures happened that you are going to get all of these cancellations. And it, and and it's like even worse that then when you have decided I'm going to cancel that it's like ridiculously difficult to do so. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like, uh, Disney's pulled that, that gym membership, uh, cancellation. <laughs> yeah, thing, yeah, right. Like, like they want you to basically one, forget about it. So you're just getting charged for it. And, you know, you basically don't realize that, hey, I spent like three months of this when I should have canceled this a while ago. Uh, they want you to forget about it. So hopefully you just keep paying at least as long as they can get it. And then they make it difficult for you to cancel it. Well, uh, are you going to cancel this? Well, you need to move 50, you know, 50 miles away from the nearest uh, gym that we have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, you have to pay this fee or you got to make it jump through <laughs> hoops. Uh, like, so basically, yeah, they made it not clear and, and difficult. So hopefully people just stay with it, regardless whether they're planning on using it or, or what. Um, so... It does not surprise me. It is, it is, I mean, I, I like to think better of Disney, but there's been a lot of stuff lately showing that well, they're, a, they're a big company just like anybody else, and they, they want to make money. <laughs> it's just like, you know, I don't, it, it, and what really stings about it, like I said, is just not just that there are changes being made and that it's, it's like they made it difficult to, kind of get through and and of course like it it makes sense like hey if you legitimately had it in your mind as soon as they announced this park packs uh park pass system and you had any sense that like oh it was i may not be able to go to the park as much as i was hoping and i feel like i'm not getting you know a sufficient value out of what i paid for it that you would have canceled like immediately as soon as that availability happened but like we said, you know, they, they've been making changes up until like two weeks ago, right? After they had that Q3 earnings call, they talked about cutting hours. They talked about canceling, uh, you know, delaying the opening of resorts. Um, so it's just like, again, like the goalposts have moved. So even if maybe you had decided, eh, all right, it's I'm still able to get some value out of it. Now, all of a sudden with some of these parks getting cut by like two hours a day. 
now all of a sudden, like you're getting less value and you only have then a couple of weeks, if that, to make up your mind in terms of if you want to cancel or not. So, you know, and, and then you also have to factor in this fact that like, well, if you cancel when you know that by the time that this park pass system is over, they currently have it scheduled going through September, 2021. So it's not going to get any better unless they really just juice up the, um, the annual passport availability, which sounds like they've done some of that, but not like a ton. Uh, and you know that, you know that most of the people going to the parks right now, at least half, probably more at this point are Florida residents, are locals, so you know that that's probably where you're getting a good amount of your guests or through that annual pass uh, program. So, you know, it, it just, like I said, it's, it, it feels a little, it feels a little dirty pool, <laughs> right? You, you know that by the time that this park pass system is over in October, 2021, if you want to buy an annual pass, you know that the prices are going to go right back up, right? <laughs> you know that you're going to be paying another couple hundred bucks than what you paid on your last passport. And so, you know, I mean, even if you were to cancel it and take whatever is remaining uh, and whatever prorated refund you get and put it towards that next annual pass, that like it's still going to be way more expensive by then. So, I don't it, like I said feels a little dirty, but I don't know. It's you're right. I mean, it's, it's kind of par for the course right now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's, it's rough because I mean, of course, too, the other thing, uh, I guess can mention about this is that, you know, annual pass holders are generally some of the, the biggest fans too. not, yeah. I, I can't say always because some people just don't have, uh, just don't happen to live within, certain distance so it doesn't make sense for them to buy one but a lot of these people go to the park often and they and they love the park and these are the people these are these fans are being burned by this whole system so it's like who you're gonna hurt hurt your biggest fans i mean that's always a winning strategy you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah well and it's like it 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 you know, they're definitely talking out of both sides of their mouth because they are specifically saying, hey, you're our most valued, you know, guest or you're you're our most loyal guests. But at the same time, like you're going to have to take this one. Um, but, dude, so so for me, I'm an I'm a Disneyland annual pass holder. Right. So let's thinking bringing it back over to the West Coast and thinking about all of what we're seeing here what we've already seen at Disneyland, what we were talking about before, it's safe to assume that we're going to have some flavor of this when Disneyland opens. And like I said, man, for me, as a pass holder, I'm starting to get a little worried, right? So I'm curious if you think this is justified in, in terms of my being worried about this, if you think that by then, whenever that is, the Disneyland opens, that there will be some better process in place and that everything or or a lot of this is going to be smoothed out uh, when these West Coast parks open. Well, as always, I like to to be a bit more positive and hope that they they see uh, kind of the failings in this system. 
plus as you and I've pointed out quite a bit often is that uh, most of the you know guests that go to Disneyland Park are pass holders so uh, like yourself so um, I think they need to come up with something I think we might see, we'll probably see some form of this, but I think it's got to be uh, a lot, or at least the availability has to be incredibly different because, uh, I mean, if you if you just have like a lot of stuff open for non-pass holders, you're excluding most of the people who are going to visit the uh, the park to begin with since most of the you know people uh in the uh locals are pass holders of some form so i think they need to they will probably see something but it needs to be you know changed considerably or at least it needs to be a uh, modified so that that there is a lot more availability for annual pass holders. I'm going to be honest, and I would think that if I was an annual pass holder, I would think that when it came to getting, like, reservations and stuff like that, you would get, like, the lion's share of them all would be for annual pass holders, and you would have, like, so many more open uh, to to annual pass holders than non-annual pass holders. Right. Um, so I, I definitely would feel burned if, if I had an annual pass hold, uh, annual pass and couldn't get in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, well, right. And they, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see obviously when these parks do open, because I think that'll play, it'll play a huge role in terms of just, I, you know, determining what this process is going to be and where those modifications are, because certainly, we're in a similar situation in terms of just travel where, you know, we're still spiking pretty heavily. I mean, clearly parks aren't going to open as long as we're in kind of a, 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 a dicey situation here in terms of COVID. But, you know, uh, when things do settle down, we're still not seeing a lot of domestic and certainly no international travel. I, I think it probably would be safe to say that Disney learned from Florida that to expect more than, you know, X amount of to expect more than like a very low amount of out of towners, out of staters to fill that park. Like that's a mistake, right? Like they're they're paying that price right now in Florida because, you know, they they expected that we were as a country, I guess, going to be in a better place. And that there was going to be more travel, more people, more people feeling comfortable traveling to Florida than there actually is right now. And so because of that, that's why we're seeing these hotel closures and modified uh, park hours and and whatnot. So, you know, one has to expect that if that's still going to be the case or we're having a similar situation that they kind of open with that in mind. So they open with shorter park hours. They open with more annual pass holder availability, like what you're saying. Um, you know, they uh, they open with no hotels <laughs> available. Um, you know, certainly, certainly Disneyland, just like what you're saying, it has quite a few unique aspects that just are going to necessitate a change in terms of this. 
this process, right? Like right now, if you look at Disney World, there's kind of three tiers of park pass availability um, and reservations. You have resort guests, you have single day ticket holders, and then you have annual pass holders. They're not making it clear at all in terms of how that availability is being dispersed between the three. All we know is that like annual pass holders generally are, um, you know, they're much more limited, certainly within the next, in, in the immediate future, in the next few months. And then in any kind of like holiday dates, they're all starting to, to, to pick up and, and become a little bit more limited. But the other two single day and resort are like wide open. Like you could book a resort room for next week and just have wide open availability. Like you could probably book a resort room for the next like 24, 48 hours and be totally fine going to most, if not all of those parks. So, uh, you know, that probably means that they need to do a better job in terms of redistributing that, uh, that availability there. But at Disneyland, like you're not going to have, even if all three of those hotels are open, you're not going to have like a ton of people that are going to make up that, that, uh, that split, right? <laughs> it's just most of the people going to that park are not staying on site. Either they're coming in from LA for the day. So they're, they're day pass holders or they're annual pass holders that are coming in for a couple of hours or a few hours, or maybe the day if it's a weekend or they, they've just got the day off. Or you do have people that are legitimately on vacation and, uh, you know, taking a few days and just staying off site at one of the the good neighbor hotels. So, you know, it, it seems like at least at the very least they would have to redistribute and have significantly less availability, um, kind of reserved, if you will, for hotel guests, just because it's just the numbers aren't going to be there. Um, so that makes sense, you know, uh, and the other thing too is just like, I guess this is this maybe has less to do with an AP thing, though. I mean, it kind of does because park hopping, I think, is a much different beast at Disneyland Resort than it is at Disney World because, you know, it, it definitely, I mean, there's park hopping is absolutely a thing at Disney World, but because those parks are all spread out so much. Um, you know, if you're kind of going for the day, maybe isn't quite as lucrative of a, of an option to do a bunch of park hopping as opposed to a Disneyland man. Like they're just right across from the Esplanade. Uh, you know, every time I've gone to Disneyland in the last decade, <laughs> it's pretty much like there's been no question of whether I want to park hop or not. So, you know, it's like built into my experience. I, I actually legitimately feel like I am maybe getting less of an experience if when I have to make my reservation as an annual pass holder, certainly, but even as like a day ticket holder, if that option of park hopping isn't there, I feel like I'm not getting that full experience. I mean, I, I just remember like going with uh, Tristan after having not been to Disney uh, for a really long time and us doing a single day at Disneyland and a single day at uh, California Adventure. And, you know, we definitely felt like we could have used more time at Disneyland 
And I think going through California Adventure, it was fun, but like definitely towards the end of the day, like to spend a full day at California Adventure, it's, it's a little bit different now. They've got a little more, uh, a few more experiences, but even still, I think now to spend like a full day at California Adventure without going to Disneyland, it feels it maybe like you're, <laughs> you know, it's a light experience for sure. Uh, certainly if you're talking about like riding rides. So I wonder like, man, like who is going to just say that they want to go to California adventure and not go to Disneyland. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Unless, unless you have the food and wine festival going on at the same time, that could take you some time. But I mean, other than like cars land, a lot of the rest of the, I mean, it is it is a lighter experience. I mean, you have uh, the different lands, but they're not as as verbose as the lands in in Disney. So, like when also when it comes to like just sheer ambiance and and uh, and things to do outside of rides, you you definitely have a, a far fewer. Uh, to do on uh, at, Cal- at California Adventure, but I mean, still, uh, and and they've taken away some of the some of the things that at least some of the like the uh, uh, the Mad Tea Party, which was one of the things that I definitely would have uh, chose to stay a day if I could just experience that. And they ended that a while ago, um, so. Uh, but yeah, it, there's so much more in Disneyland than at California Adventure. It would, it would be, yeah, hard to believe spending like a whole day at, at California Adventure. But maybe you you do that when you've spent a lot of time at one park one day and you need to rest like a uh, second day, and then you choose uh california adventure on your second day uh but yeah usually we always park hop uh, at least uh we always start the the day going to uh california adventure that's where we go to the starbucks and get our coffee and we get a a uh a, a fast pass for uh Radiator Springs Racers, and then we head over to like Disneyland and spend most of the day over there. Coming yeah, back right, exactly. for coming back for Radiator Springs and maybe Incredicoaster yeah. or uh, Midway Mania, but most of our day is still spent usually at uh, Disneyland proper. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and the yeah, definitely the suggestion of. The food and wine festival is pretty good. It's pretty clutch for sure, because you are talking about then those people that are annual pass holders that are are that are also locals and maybe are part of that group that tend to come to the parks for like an hour or two in the evening or have dinner at the parks or not necessarily spend a day, but just spend a little bit of time. Uh, there, like that's that's certainly something that would bring people in. Um, so yeah, that totally makes sense, and I think probably going to need to do something like that because I I definitely see a situation. Otherwise, I mean, I definitely see a situation 
similar to what's going on at Disney World with Hollywood Studios, where, I mean, Disneyland would just be booked constantly, right? Like, good luck finding availability at Disneyland because whether it's annual pass holders or single day ticket holders, like, you know, if you have two days or something like that, I mean, you're doing both at Disneyland. <laughs> Maybe you're, I guess, I guess you could split it up between the two, but you know, again, like it just seems like that's, uh, it's, it's, that is also a significantly reduced experience and clearly Disney's not averse to that, but I think it's going to hit a lot harder this time around. So it, it'll be super interesting to see what they do. They're going to have to do something for sure. We at least agree with that, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird to think of, like you said, not park hopping, but, uh, and when, uh, and I would never even think of like a situation where I wouldn't be park hopping. I mean, I've always got the park hopper, uh, whenever I've gone, but that being said, there's times when I've been and it was difficult to do park hopping when I was with my sister, uh, this last time we probably shouldn't have park hopped uh just because there was for one we had the food and wine festival going on so there was plenty to do in uh california adventure for a day uh two uh running back and forth does take time especially when you have a lot of people in the park so you're navigating trying to navigate between especially when you one of you is pregnant at the time (laughs) uh it it makes it like i can I can generally navigate pretty well, uh, and I do have a tendency to have a fast gait, uh, which frustrates my wife because she then has to like run to keep up with me. Even if I think I'm going slow, I'm still going a little bit faster than fast for her. Uh, but uh, weird flex, but okay. <laughs> But I mean, it's it was something to keep in mind because, uh, you know, one time we had a a lunch reservation or we've multiple times have been had a lunch reservation or a dinner reservation in the other park. And you go, well, it's 30 minutes. It's in 30 minutes. So we have plenty of time Mm-mm. going from one park to the other park. We would just barely make it and we'd be we would have to be hustling. So park hopping takes time uh and that was one of the things that i did regret when i went with my sister we were trying to park hop but in we just wind up actually like wasting a lot of time going between the parks when we should have just chose a park and did stuff uh in that park because i felt that they missed certain things when they had their trip so i was kind of bummed that i couldn't show them all they didn't even get to ride radiator springs and i which, I mean, I can't imagine a trip to California Adventure <laughs> and not riding Radiator Springs. Uh, it's a travesty. Yeah. So, but uh, tell. I mean, that's that's going to haunt you for uh, for a while here. Well, the part of the thing that that didn't hurt it so bad is that we still weren't weren't sure if my sister should ride it or not in her state, but her <laughs> husband could have rode it. And, uh, you know, one of, I could have stayed behind and my wife and, uh, my brother-in-law could have wrote it. At least somebody could have experienced it for the first time. Uh, but, uh, (laughs) it's true. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, so certainly crowds won't be an issue and certainly 
yeah, you, I mean, you're very right. If it's, if you're trying to experience these parks for either the first time or you're, you're going to like, you know, it's a fresh experience for you, then yeah, definitely the full day in one park, full day in the other park makes total sense. Um, you know, if, if, if we're talking about like annual pass holders, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where that split goes and how they manage it because certainly the capacity is massive in Disneyland and it's less so at California adventure, but also just like what you're saying that the, the demand at Disneyland, uh, is going to be exponentially greater than uh, California adventure. So like I said, man, if, uh, as an annual pass holder, if I am not able to get Disneyland and my only option is like California Adventure, I might not I might not make that trip down there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm only going if I can uh if I can lock in for uh Disneyland for sure. Um, so you know, if, if I can get like if I could do like a three-day thing and do maybe Disneyland, California Adventure, Disneyland, then I'm pretty set with that. Um, if it's like a one, one, I might not be so great about that. Uh, or if it's like all California, then I might not. I mean, would you go and if, if you were to take a trip down there and it was like two of the days were California adventure, one day was Disneyland. Would you do that? I don't know. That'd be hard to say at this point. One, I'm really, really fiending for a trip to Disneyland. So, yeah, that's a good point. Me too. I might take it. <laughs> I probably would take that. I might take it because, I mean, <laughs> probably would. if anything, for one thing, we also have to remember too is that there's reduced capacity. So, uh, yeah. even when you go to D- Disney California Adventure at this point, it's going to be lower crowds, more unlikely. So, it, that day at uh, at California Adventure is going to seem really quick because you're going to go on everything within the first, what, three hours, if that. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah. But How many times can you ride Radiator Springs? Well, it's not just Radiator Springs. I ride a lot of uh, Mater uh, <laughs> Jamboree. <laughs> yeah. Junkyard Jamboree. So, uh, uh, yeah, we'll be pretty dizzy. Uh, uh, plus, <laughs> plus, I'd get numerous uh, challenges, or uh, at least uh, attempts, tempted challenges with my wife, a midway mania, who seems to have me, just has my number on that ride. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's going to be a, a, a quick day, but it's still a day at Disney and. And we can, I mean, we don't generally go for rides a lot. I mean, we do ride rides, but it's like, it's the experience. So you're still experiencing it. So I would probably take it if I could get at least one day at Disney and two at, at California Adventure. Um, so I probably would take it. If I couldn't get, yeah. if I couldn't even have one day at Disneyland, I probably wouldn't go. Uh, yeah. so I agree with you on that, but <clears throat> with at least one day, I probably would do it. Uh, mm. uh, but I mean, it's, you know, it, to each their own, it would be a bummer though, to be there for so long and only have one day at Disney. But at this point, you know, you take what you can get while you can, cause it may be a while, <laughs> Uh, but does then does the so does your 
I know your situation is a little bit different, but let put your put yourself in an annual pass holder's shoes. Put yourself in my shoes, where you I mean you've already paid in full for full use of your pass, and then you're being told you know two days at California Adventures, one day at Disney. Like I feel like it's a it's a different and maybe harder pill to swallow if you know uh, if it's just I'll take what I can get. Like it's one thing if you're paying by the day or if you are, you know, an employee and, and your situation's a little bit different, but it's like another thing when you've paid for your pass, thinking it was going to give you access to a, a certain level of availability that just isn't going to be there. No, I, I agree. I mean, like when, like I said, I think when, when you get that annual pass, uh, it, you're supposed to feel special and uh like like you feel like you should you know i would think you should get like you know the the best treatment and it feels like you're and you definitely hit the nail on the head like you paid for uh and expect a certain level of accessibility uh to the park and them telling you what you can get and you can't get what you necessarily want is is you not getting your way and and that's you know that feels like yeah uh, not a great thing uh right there so i yeah i would be mad <laughs> yeah all of that being said uh i will go back to the point of just I'll, I'll still take what I can get. And I guess that's probably, that's probably why they can get away with this stuff. <laughs> like, I'll take it. Fine. Two days at California adventure, one day at Disneyland. Fine. I'll be upset about it, but I'll also be renewing my passport. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where I feel a lot of those people in Florida who are canceling their annual pass for this year or at this time uh, are more than likely going to be signing up for it again as soon as possible and things are maybe more open. But, uh, you know, it's still kind of, it's one of those things where it's, it's a bitter pill to take, to swallow because you, I mean, it's something you love tied to a business and business is business is not kind to fans a lot of the time. Uh, so like, it's like you, you almost at that point, even though it, you should blame the business and, and the brand, but you don't because you still love it. You still have nostalgia for the brand. So you keep coming back despite like being mistreated by that business, that brand. Um, but, you love it so much um you keep coming back for more which is why of course disney is not forced to change their ways but that's just too hard to kind of like i mean the best way to change like their practices is for everybody to like stop going at all and then they would be forced to change or go out of business but uh you know we can't i mean it's it's one of those things it's it's too hard to break at this point <laughs> well and it, i mean what it does do is just make a, a bit of an opening for other companies to to uh swoop in but uh yeah you know i mean it's it, it's just a weird time dude 
But, uh, but yeah, man, like speaking of just taking what we can get and uh, when will it open? It does seem like we are getting a little bit more clarity in terms of what that reopening situation for Disneyland Resort and Universal Studios Hollywood will eventually be. According to the Orange County Register, California state officials have finally started that conversation around theme park operation. And and if you remember, like this was the big uh, this was the big stopping block for Disneyland opening to begin with, because they had announced 17th was going to be when we're actually going to open 17th of July. And then, um, you know, (laughs) basically on cue right after that announcement, uh, California, Florida went through the roof in terms of COVID cases. And so the state of California basically said like, listen, we're not even having that conversation right now until we kind of get a little bit of clarity in terms of what this COVID situation is going to be. Um, they're at least having that conversation now. So, I mean, that is some level of progress. Uh, a California health and human services spokesman did mention that they will be reviewing the data to identify when and how parks may considering uh, may consider reopening at lower risk to staff and visitors. So, I mean, it's the conversation you would expect, of course. Uh, I mean, I also still would not expect that they're going to open relatively soon <laughs> just because, I mean, I think the uh, I was reading that the Disneyland Hotel has canceled all of their reservations up through September 5th. So we know at least uh, beginning of September is the very, very earliest that that park could actually open. And then we also have the fact that I think on Friday, we had our like second highest peak of COVID case, uh, positive COVID cases reported. So still got some time before, uh, before I think they give everything the okay, but at least that conversation, I mean, the, the biggest positive I could see coming out of it is that at least they set like what a criteria would even look like, right? Maybe it's like cases at a, are at a certain level over a consecutive amount of time, just like something because right now we're just in pure purgatory we have no idea disney has no idea in terms of what the situation would need to be before they could even reopen so uh you know it's still a positive thing right yeah i mean that's that's the start of at least you know starting those conversations so at least uh disney can start like preparing or at least getting an eye on like, well, you know, if, if cases have to start, you know, we need to be flat a certain amount of time, uh, or we need to be at a certain like percentage of whatever, uh, once they start, once they know what the criteria is, they can at least start moving on like when they need to start getting people back in, uh, without those initial like talks, you, they're like, you know, they're up in the air just like everybody else. So they don't know when they need to start bringing people on. So they're not going to start, I mean, really putting much behind that until they have an idea about that. I mean, it's pretty much like anything else. You wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't plan a trip until you knew like how much it was. Well, I mean, you might plan a trip till you knew how much it was going to cost, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. this is basically finding out the cost and all that stuff. So, uh, I don't know. 
Yeah, well, and it would exp- it would explain why they've been relatively radio silent outside of downtown Disney, right? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, so even with that, though, it does sound like that things are slowly continuing to trickle forward at Disneyland Resort. Uh, you know, obviously we have downtown Disney that's open. Uh, we've had, I, I think there's a, been a few additional restaurant openings since. I know that Ralph Brennan's Jazz Club is open at downtown Disney, which means that beignets are back on the menu at Disney Resort, which is good times. Nothing bad can come from that. Um, and, you know, we've already talked a little bit about the construction that's been going on both at Avengers Campus and the Runaway Railway, uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway in Toontown. We also have that. New, we also have a new round of permits that have been filed for that Disney Vacation Club Tower. It sounds like we've had some approvals with that as well. So it does seem like they are still pushing forward with that plan to build that DVC tower uh, at the Disneyland Hotel. So that's pretty cool. If not for no other reason, then. Um, there's some kind of construction moving forward and that process is still moving forward. Interesting too, that they are still pushing forward on that and they are not. I mean, it sounds like reflections, which was that new DVC hotel in Florida that they're, they're pretty much, they've abandoned that idea. So I I think I read that that removed the announcement from the last year's D 23 slide deck or, or information. So they've kind of scrubbed that from existence, but, Still pushing forward at that uh, at the Disneyland DVC tower. It might be it might be they are pushing on that because if they don't do it, then the city will just you know refuse anything else to go there. If they build something there, the D- Disney Vacation Club, maybe they can change it to something else at some point uh, if they if they want to. But getting yeah. that getting those permits and whatnot later on may be even harder to do. So I think they're just doing it since maybe That's true. Maybe the stuff in Florida probably, I imagine, is a lot easier to, to get through uh, the zoning and whatnot than it is here in uh, California. That's definitely true. That could be, that could be a big part of it. But, uh, but yeah, so there's, there's been some movement in and around Disneyland. Still not very much. Hopefully this uh, a little more clarity from the state will allow some of that work to happen, if nothing else, like get moving on Snow White, finish that up, get moving on Haunted Mansion, finish that up, get moving on Avengers, man, finish that up. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we definitely want to see those uh, finished up, I guess, definitely want to see Haunted Mansion finished up soon, sooner rather than later uh, with the... uh, Halloween coming up and hopefully get some, you know, get it maybe a little brighter in there for just in time for Halloween. Yeah. Uh, Well, we'll see, man. Hopefully, fingers crossed still. But yeah, so, you know, definitely been slow uh, news out of Disneyland. But man, you want to talk about slow news. (laughs) Universal Hollywood specifically has been completely silent. I mean, we know that City Walk is open and limited capacity. But outside of that, it's been pure crickets. Uh, So still totally in limbo over there. But Orlando has been taking all of the attention. And I guess rightly so. It's uh, it's 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 been popping pretty consistently. Uh, And actually, I was just reading like this over this last weekend, dude, supposedly it was 
completely slammed. Like uh, I was seeing from a couple of trip reports that they were reporting out like multiple hour waits on some of the more popular rides. Like, uh, like Hulk was like at a two hour wait throughout most of the day. Uh, most of the water rides were like over an hour. So we're definitely starting to see a little more of that, uh, that traditional crowd come in. I didn't, I didn't read anywhere that they had hit whatever this reduced capacity is, but still, I mean, I think people generally were saying like, this was the closest it felt to being a traditional mm. park day, uh, that we've seen out of universal. So, you know, there's some good to that. There's definitely some bad to that, but, uh, I guess it is what it is, but they are still talking about some changes going on at uh, Orlando Resort. Uh, they're still trying to consolidate down and really balance out after they had kind of announced this uh, this downturn and the softer than expected uh, just overall attendance, certainly from out of state again. So first up, we're losing a couple of hotels, at least temporarily. So Lowe's Sapphire Falls Resort and Universal's Aventura Hotel will be closing temporarily on the 21st. Depending on which of those hotels uh, anyone was staying at, Universal will either be swapping them to a different hotel and providing a $50 dining credit or upgrading them to a premier level room. With all of those tasty park benefits included. Um, so that's... That would be a that would be a huge score. It sounds like that's uh, specifically for the Lowe's Sapphire Falls. You're going to get an upgrade, mm. so uh, that's pretty cool. You get the uh, what do they call their Express Unlimited is what they call it. So, uh, so that's a pretty good upgrade, dude. I <laughs> think they go for a little over a hundred bucks. So that would be that would be a pretty big score mm. right there. Um, then, so then as a way of distributing these heavy weekend crowds that sounds like they've been seeing over at uh, Universal Orlando, both Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure will see an additional operating hour added on Saturdays throughout Ooh. August, meaning that, the, meaning that the park will now be open until 6 as opposed to, well, I should say, meaning that now Studios is open until 6, Islands of Adventure is open until 7. That's kind of nice. It's only for the next couple of weeks. And then it looks like at least in looking at that calendar, everything rolls back to uh, its normal operating hours. Hopefully that just means that they're going to be a little more flexible going forward. And if they need to add that extra time that they do, but, uh, but that's pretty cool. And then in a big play, it seems like to juice up maybe some additional uh, AP numbers. <laughs> Universal is not only offering three free months if you purchase an annual pass before September 30th, but all premier level pass holders, that's their highest pass out there, will be getting uh, their Universal Express pass privileges two hours earlier. So it now starts at two instead of four, where they are just given uh, free or I guess included Universal Express passes. So uh, that's pretty interesting, man. I mean, it, the just kind of seeing the difference in the play in terms of how universal and Disney's handling, uh, kind of reducing and playing with hours and availability, um, with their annual pass holders. Like certainly universal seems like, Hey, we're going to tinker with, we're going to tinker with maybe some of the offerings, maybe give you a few more benefits. Uh, three additional months free is pretty sweet. 
and you know, yeah, like two additional hours of, uh, this express pass is also pretty nice. If nothing else, it's like giving you a little something <laughs> as opposed to Disney, which at, at least as far as we know up until now, not offering anything. Right. Yeah. But I think it's also, unfortunately for Disney, I mean, these type of things are smart to do because in the long run, um, like universals, it's not really costing universal, like anything for the most part. Right. Um, and it's something that they can easily do to like entice people. Cause people love that extra, that like extra stuff that, that definitely like, yeah. if you're on the, if you're on the fence, that's, Stuff, stuff like that is what gets you to like cross over for sure, but uh, I think they they're lucky in that they have those things in place that they can actually tweak. Because like, if you're like, uh, I guess if you're an annual pass holder for a Disney annual pass holder, they have fewer mechanisms that they can like turn on for you. Uh, since they don't have those things already in place. Uh, I mean, there might be like, they could probably give you like max pass or something like that or whatever their passes in uh, Florida that they run, but fast pass plus, yeah, yeah. they could maybe give you that, but uh, you know, they couldn't even give you that though, because that's disabled right now. Yeah. They've said that at least certainly through the end of the year, no fast pass. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, that's the only thing I, I could think of that they, other than like, giving you like i guess they technically could give you more discounts and stuff um but that kind of stuff actually does cost the company because they're going to take a hit on the merch being sold but the stuff that uh like universal's giving them is just giving them like more access to rides and stuff which is something that isn't really costing them anything so, um, yeah, I think it's, I think Disney should take note of that, but of course, uh, for them to do something like that, they have to take something away or at least add another layer on, which they would have to charge people for, which is not necessarily a great thing for the rest of us. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. but, uh, I don't know. It's, it's smart. It's definitely smart and uh, and a good move on Universal's part uh, to get to convince people to to either stay or and or like I guess technically uh, sign up uh, at this point. But um, it, unfortunately, Disney doesn't have. I don't think they have those those things in place that they could turn on for people to entice them. Although I don't know if they would, even if they did at this point. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely a good point. Uh, yeah. It's uh, the first thought that I had, of course, was like, well, if you're just giving a bunch of people more express passes, then doesn't that just mean that like that express pass queue is just going to fill up more and those wait times are going to be longer. I don't know if that's the case, but that was just a, a thought that I had. Maybe not. I'm sure they have a way of managing that. At least I hope they do. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this goes to just to kind of what you're saying in terms of it being a smart move on their part. Totally. And, you know, what, what, you know, what I was at least I was starting to mention when we were 
kind of wrapping up on the uh, the Disney side of things that, or the Disney World side of things, that it does give an opportunity for other people to swoop in and start making plays at people that maybe are canceling their Disney World annual pass, right? And so it does quickly become like a value play, right? So this year, especially if you're canceling your Disney World annual pass, because it's like, I'm not getting the level of value that I feel like certainly was promised to me when I paid for it. But, you know, at least as of now, it's just not, I'm just not getting the return that I, I would hope that I would be able to get. And maybe you're right. Like I don't feel respected as a, uh, as an annual pass holder. And so here you have universal swooping in and saying like, Hey, you know, if you maybe have a little extra scratch that you got from your refund from your Disney annual pass, you want to spend a little bit more with that too. Like, Hey, we have an annual pass system over here. Um, you know, we're, I guess they've been cutting hours too, but, uh, you know, we have all of these other benefits and perks and, I think even without that, like, you know, if you're canceling one thing, maybe you are a little bit more willing to try out the competition and see how that is. I mean, I certainly have seen quite a few people talking about um, on social just how they feel a lot more respected or at least valued as annual pass holders at Universal than they do at Disney right now. So, so at least from a messaging standpoint, it's working on Universal side. But just thinking about even kind of kind of the medium term timeline when Disney does get running up and running again, you're right. Like certainly I think most of those people are going to go right back to Disney. But the question will be if they are somebody if, if you are somebody that maybe did in that meantime in that kind of gap period go for a universal annual passport and you are still feeling like you're getting value from that or at least sufficient value from that, then maybe you don't spend as much on your Disney annual pass, right? Maybe you hold on to both or you just kind of, yeah, you, you, you kind of balance things out a little bit more. So, you know, it's like when you're on top, everything's great, but everyone else is also nipping at your heels, right? And looking for opportunities to kind of get in and just steal people away from you. And so certainly like Disney is, is, is just as a, as an overall product in terms of their parks, like, you know, until they open that third gate at universal, it's still not, it's still not like fully competitive, but, uh, but like I said, they might still get, and like what you said, they might still get plenty of people that do sign up, uh, feel valued, certainly as, as, as annual pass holders and feel like, you know, it's a good deal that they're getting and then might end up spending a little bit less at Disney next time because they want to hold on to their universal pass. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you talked about like the express pass at, at, uh, at universal where maybe that, that, that queue is, is bigger. Like if you think of at least uh, the Hollywood Studios version of their Express Pass, the front of the line pass, I will say this: I don't think they have like an actual system to limit that. So you saying that the queue could get bigger? That's true. It may actually get bigger. So those those shorter lines that you expect 
may not be as, as short as they were with these other <laughs> right. people coming in and and because uh, in buying them because I I want to say whenever we would go to Hollywood Studios, um, the front of the line pass. People who bought that shelled out like I think it's one hundred and sixty dollars extra for that, or something like that. It was it's really expensive. Um, now uh, they get a special place that they can sit in the uh, Waterworld show, and when you look at like when when we're in the Waterworld show, I always look and I go like, man, if we had like yeah the 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 uh, the area is is not right in front. But it's super cramped. Like they are like pushed in there. Like they're sitting in there like sardines. They're sitting on top of each other. <laughs> and like I always wind up getting a great spot high up. So we're shaded and we're not in a splash zone. We could get in the splash zone if we wanted to, but you're high up. You get up on the like you get with the fence to your back so you have something to lean back on and you have perfect view and you're not crowded by everybody and it always <laughs> yeah. I always look at the crowd as like man I think they paid extra for the experience of being like sitting on top of each other and on top of that most of that area is in the splash zone so they're getting crazy wet at the same time so it's like that is not the experience I would want <laughs> for that so uh so you're not necessarily always getting the best seat i think with the uh, front of line pass and i think that's what you may also wind up with the express pass but you do have the perceived value of getting more you are yeah. getting more uh, if anything yeah. i've learned from john tafford from bar rescue is perceived value <laughs> We'll, oh, that was random, we'll, yeah. we'll get people. Well, that was like, that's the, that's the whole thing is the perceived value. If the express ticket, if there's more people with the express pass, that line's going to get bigger. Now, the idea is that the express line is going to be faster than other lines. It may not be, but your perception is, is that it will be. And it's more bullet points to put on the selling of that. It's like, Hey, this is what you used to get. You're getting extra now. So you have more bullet points to convince you to buy this ticket. It's a perceived value, but that value may not actually be all it's, it's worked up to be, but it's perceived. And that's just enough to get people to kind of convince them to buy in. So, uh, mm. It was interesting, like, you know, whenever I've seen, like, watched, uh, you know, Bar Rescue, he talks about that, and it makes total sense. You're not necessarily giving them more, but you're giving giving them the perception that they're getting more for their value. So, it, it'll sell you more often than not. I gotcha. Yeah. Man. Bar Rescue drop. Talk about something I wasn't ever expecting. <laughs> well. Finally, the news I know Henry Hall has been waiting for. You've got a spicy rumor out of Tokyo Disneyland that the Beauty and the Beast Trackless Dark Ride will be opening on October 1st. WDW News Today and a few other news sites blasted this out, but the source is actually directly from the official Tokyo Disney Resort website itself, there's an update listing for the Happy 15 entry benefit offered to Tokyo 
Disney hotel guests where they can enter the park 15 minutes early. This program has been suspended as of now, but was announced to resume on October 1st. And in their updated program entry online, they actually listed out the enchanted tale of Beauty and the Beast as being one of the attractions available. So it's quite possible that maybe it won't be available immediately on the 1st, but it would seem like, why would you even list it if it wasn't uh, wasn't going to be part of that grand opening? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, they're not going to like waste that uh, that uh, that opportunity to kind of get people interested uh, on nothing. So yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and they've been. I mean, uh, uh, you know. I believe it was their last earnings call, the Oriental Land Company, the company that 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 uh, that owns a majority of Tokyo Disney Resort, basically came out and said, like, hey, New Fantasyland, which is where this dark ride resides in, New Fantasyland is pretty much done, and the Beauty and the Beast dark ride is pretty much done, so we're just waiting for the right time to kind of open it and announce it. Seems like that's what this is going to be. <laughs> I mean, again, it's like it's right there. So, yeah. So, man, it's we're, we're gonna we're gonna finally have this open. It uh, you know was supposed to be in like mid April when it was uh, initially supposed to finally be open. So, you know, almost like six months late, but pretty pretty good, man. <laughs> this has been something we've been looking forward to, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I've watched videos of them working on the the new their new form of animatronics uh for uh Bell and everything and it looks amazingly smooth and lifelike. Uh so I think it's it's going to be a pretty awesome ride. Yeah, man. Th- this is I think Henry, this is your excuse to finally go Back to Tokyo Disneyland. I didn't need an excuse to go back to Tokyo Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Never. Well, that, I mean, if nothing else, that will make your double feature of Tokyo Disneyland with uh, Enchanted Tale of Beauty and the Beast and Tokyo Disney Sea. It'll be the trifecta. Am I right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, the whole trip itself would be amazing for sure uh that's just going to make it all the more so now we just now we just have to wait for uh japan to allow uh americans back into the country uh they may never allow us back in the country (laughs) (laughs) oh man oh henry i tried so hard to to end this on a positive spin man you brought it right back down (laughs) well i mean uh just be said that uh, I've been seeing more talks about a Tron 3. Uh, unfortunately, it's good and bad, and it, possibly bad. I don't know. Uh, depends on your, your point of how oh, much no. you like uh, Jared Leto. But uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot of talk of like the Tron 3 is moving forward, but uh, Jared Leto is going to be attached to it to be the, the, main, uh, the main star for it. But I mean, I'm actually not a huge fan of him, but I don't know. This may turn it around if he does a great job with Tron. I'm a big fan of Tron, so. So here we go. You ready? Here, here's my, 
here's my uh here's my nostradamus looking into the future seeing tron 3 premiere i'm gonna paint this picture and they're they do it like they did with pirates of the caribbean they premiere it at disneyland but they premiere it ready for this they premiere it in new tomorrowland which is rethemed as tron 3 <laughs> yeah i don't think that's gonna happen <laughs> but i think tron 3 would happen before that would happen uh, you don't think we can just make it all happen together uh, no uh, i mean the most your dreams henry the most i think we could we could expect is that they would do maybe uh uh, world of color and have maybe a Tron uh, like light cycle go along the uh, Incredicoaster or something light up or whatnot. Ooh. I think they did that in the past. I'll take that. Okay, here's here's my here's my backup. Tron three premieres at Disneyland. It is not in new Tomorrowland, but it does take place on the new and improved People Mover. That would be nice, but I think they would more likely you would see... Oh, I don't like that but. I don't like that but. More likely would premiere at Walt Disney World or Hollywood oh. Studios in the New Tron light cycle ride. That's at uh, Magic Kingdom. Oh, Magic Kingdom. Yeah. All right. That'd be all right, too, I guess. Oh, I tried, Henry. That just about does it for today. Remember, we can catch the Great Park Hop. Remember, you can catch the Great Park Hop each and every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. As always, if you like what you hear and want us to keep making content just like this, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and hit that like button. This has been episode 29 of The Great Park Hop, and we'll catch you next week. Stay healthy, everybody. Henry, I'll talk to you next week, big guy, from Disneyland at New Tomorrowland themed after Tron 3. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.